Mad Unreal. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. Did I send you that image of the Funko doll with uh, the child and the frog lady's eggs? The egg canister? <laughs> no. Which, wait a minute. Which one was this one? He was he was eating them or he was just holding them or something? He was just holding them. Mm. He was like coveting. He was like coveting the eggs. Mm, no, I didn't. I didn't see that. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of memes and all types of things over the last, you know, week or whatever. Just you know, with the with the different people's different interpretations. I mean, some people were yeah. actually really disturbed by that. They, you know, they were like online talking about that wasn't right. They shouldn't have shown that. You know. Um, but yeah, let's I for the saw... record. The, for the record, the, the 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 eggs were unfertilized. Right. It was just like going to the grocery store and buying some eggs. Right. Um, no, I mean, they were fertilized, but yeah, it was both and. I mean, they were fertilized. I don't because... think they were fertilized because I think that was the whole thing with her getting back with Frogman. They had to spend a night together, handle their business and fertilize them eggs together. And that's how that was the reason she had it. Because remember, she was like, I have to find, you know, reunite with my husband before the equinox or whatever to fertilize these eggs or else. Oh, yeah. so there weren't any little baby frogs in there yet. Frogman hadn't handled it yet. Oh, that okay. That makes yeah. That makes sense because in the episode which we'll get to, mm-hmm. the child sees the embryo. Right, in case anybody is confused, we're talking about the Mandalorian. Oh yeah. <laughs> in case anybody is like, what show? What podcast did I just tune into? Yeah, the Mandalorian yeah. episode or chapter. I'm not even calling them episodes anymore. Chapter ten. Um, that's what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I think yeah, that's what happened because the next day. Because a day had passed mm-hmm. when Mando goes back and, you know, leaves the child with him. And then you see the little tadpoles or whatever coming out of the eggs. Yeah, they had their little had, private time. I had seen a rumor of that, or at least a theory, that the child wasn't wasn't eating the eggs because he wasn't chewing. He was actually storing them. I saw that, Which I never really, I didn't buy that. <laughs> yeah, because what's he going to do? Regurgitate on that's even That's kind of nasty as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it what's was he storing them for? They're already stored. Did you notice though when he um, first went to the the thing, whatever that little thing she was keeping them in? Mm-hmm. The music, Gorenson's music, was really kind of like um, magical and kind of yeah. Like I a did wonderment. notice that. And then the egg started moving towards him, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Was that like a tease or uh, you know um, a misdirection to make us think there was something involved with the force? You know that. Maybe there were these something in the, one of those eggs was force sensitive or something, and the baby could the child could sense that. I don't know, but it was kind of weird because at that point, it didn't even occur to me. Oh yeah, he's hungry. That's why he's you know looking. Yeah. That's why he's I going thought, over to these eggs. I thought that this was the debut of him using the force <laughs> to pull these eggs through that glass mm-hmm. into his mouth. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, but you know he'll eat anything, man, because he ate the little alien creatures. You know the egg mm-hmm. thing anyway all right we're talking about the episode we got we got other things to do first we, we got yeah a whole lot of stuff first. going on in this episode so let's get started this is mad unreal episode 29 let's go we're two more chapters in so we're up to chapter 11 of the mandalorian but before we get to that um we got an announcement last week that um, Marvel, Disney Plus, and Marvel, the first television uh, series, WandaVision, is going to premiere, <laughs> is very likely supposed to, so they say, 
going <laughs> to premiere January 15th, 2021. It's got to be in the can by now. I mean, they wouldn't announce that if it wasn't completely done with it. I mean, I would agree point, with that because not like um, they film anything. Yeah. And they haven't said anything about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. They seem to be pretty, I, I guess, after getting burned so many times on Mulan and uh, Disney as a company, but, you know, Mulan as well as um, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, let's let's talk about it when we're going to actually, you know, do it. Right. Um, I do think the calendar is influenced by Pixar's Soul. Their new movie, which is going to day was going to premiere on Disney Plus, bypass the theaters altogether mm-hmm. uh, on Christmas Day, I believe, December twenty five in the U.S. Um, and I think what's interesting about that t- is before you know we've talked about the calendars of the studios, Marvel's mm-hmm. calendar, Disney's calendar. You know, we talked about Mulan earlier. Uh, in um, in the show, mm-hmm. but I think now it's Disney pl- Disney Plus's calendar. You know, Disney Plus is going to be the main vehicle for distribution. So let's look at this broad calendar, right? Not segment. Slap look these at it, yeah. projects in with you know other things that we're doing as well. Right. Look Marvel, at it from the platform Pixar, point of view. You know, Disney proper. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that this is a sign that they're going to go all in on Disney Plus very likely th- through calendar 2021 and possibly into spring 2022 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you say go all in you're saying because we still okay you just specifically MCU they still right now as of today, have on the calendar theatrical re- releases starting in May of 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't even need to get into the conversation of the likelihood of those things because we've had that conversation a million yeah. times. And at this point, I think I think everybody is conditioned to understand that release dates just are, you know, written in pencil, period, you know, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, so, but you're saying that you feel like they, they're, they wanted to get WandaVision on the calendar because they know yeah. that soul is dropping in, in, uh, December. Now that as, let me ask you this though, is it fine to have two major releases? I mean, those are hitting two different audiences, soul and, and, you know, WandaVision. So do you feel like Disney plus at this point is not going to be, they're not going to do a Netflix style where, you know, Netflix will drop a lot of stuff at one time. No problem. We got something for everybody is mm-hmm. Disney plus still looking because it is the producer and the owner of its content. Is it looking to, um, to brand these things, you know, on an individual basis and not have one crowd out the other. Is that, is that what their mind state is? You think that is what I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with the success of, uh, the Mandalorian series, um, it's shown them that it's shown Disney that, a weekly model it pro- provides them with enough content to keep people coming back to Disney Plus. If they just do it all at once and drop all eight chapters, let's say season one, and then you know the additional, I believe, eight chapters for season two, that folks will binge. 
but they're not going to come back for, you know, Beauty and the Beast, or they're not going to come back for um, mm-hmm. some of the National Geographic programming. So they want to make sure that they have something coming up next to keep those subscriptions in yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. which is, which, mean, is a, which is smart. That's understandable. There's no argument that Disney has content. No argument at all. But they don't have Netflix content, mm-hmm. which is just all over the map. I mean, Netflix has shows that are really good, but you know, I personally may not have heard of them, but you have, and vice mm-hmm. versa, because mm-hmm. it's just so. There's this. It's a very, so deep yeah, in their it's a content. very diverse library. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, now that Disney Plus has announced the WandaVision premiere date. Um, do you think that Marvel can emulate the success of Lucasfilm's Star Wars content, which right now is, you know, just the Marvel, I mean, just the Mandalorian on mm-hmm. Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Mm. This is a, this is very, that's a, a very interesting question. And I wonder, I wonder what's changed, you know, cause when, when did, when Kevin Feige was stood up there at Comic-Con or at, uh, was it Comic-Con? Um, I think it was Comic-Con. It wasn't the the Disney convention when he stood up there on stage in 2018, 19 and announced, you know, this whole push into television for the MCU Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. these things are going to be connected. And, you know, a part of the whole cinematic universe, obviously we had no idea that this pandemic was coming. So now I guess the thing is have, you know, what has shifted, you know, what is the, what's the what is the role of these television shows you know because how did you let me ask you this how did you perceive the role of these television shows pre-pandemic what did you think that wandavision the falcon and the winter soldier um hawkeye series the upcoming she-hawk you know uh series mm-hmm. how did you think all these series what was their purpose in relation to the broader you know mcu the broader cinematic universe what did you think it was uh, I really thought that it was auxiliary content to support the films. Auxiliary so, meaning that it would, it could, I mean, could it live on its own or was it meant to solely be like filler to like bridge these films or what, what was it? That, well, I, I won't go so far to say as filler, but I do think that they were, so let's, let's take Loki, for example. I don't think a Loki film would do Thor numbers. But a Loki television series that could explore what happened to Loki during Endgame, mm-hmm. um, that would draw eyes. And they could tell that story over the course of, you know, however many episodes. So let's say, you know, between, you know, eight and, tw- eight and ten hours mm-hmm. of storytelling that would continue to generate interest. And mm-hmm. then when the next Thor film comes out that film you know would pick up references from the television show but what you're describing like with specifically with that loki example what you're describing is something that explains what happened between point a and point b you know something the class and that is a classic star wars thing star wars has you know created many books video games Mm -hmm. comic books to explain between this movie and that movie here's all this stuff that happened you know yeah um, the whole Clone Wars series, you know, between mm-hmm. uh, uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Here's what happened, you know. So right. in that sense, that's not I guess Loki is is I guess Loki is the 
kind of fits that paradigm, you know, because mm-hmm. Loki died, you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen Avengers in game, why are you listening to this show? But spoiler yeah. alert, Loki dies. So there is no continuation of his story unless you're going to bring him back to life, which they've done in the comics a million times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess he is, he fits that very well, but take something like WandaVision which mm-hmm. is coming, which is dropping in January the first, which will be the first MCU show. By the way, not planned to be the first MCU shows. It was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I believe, was always supposed to yeah. be the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that in a second because that that does have have uh, meaning. That it does have some importance. But for WandaVision, again, Vision, spoiler alert, died in Endgame, or excuse me, Infinity War. So, but there's a continuation there. Wanda's still alive. There's a continuation of the story that lives after Endgame and goes into phase four. So for me, thinking about what these television shows was going to be, I guess my thought back in 2019 was that they were going to maybe be a mix of both. Like what you're saying in terms of, you know, hey, here's what happened between point A and point B. But more to the point there, and especially in the, you know, the animated What If series, um, I don't know if you're hip to that one, the one that's scheduled, yeah, to come out with Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey Wright's voice yeah, in The Watcher. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, that would be strictly a, literally a what if, you know, what if this happened? But for these two other two, you know, kinds of series, I really thought we're going to get storytelling that isn't just meant to support the films it's going to actually push the narrative further, you know, and maybe even the films will have to support or pick up on some of the things that are happening in, in the television shows, you know, so it puts the films almost in a secondary Mm -hmm. role, but I wonder what's, what has changed now, you know, because this pandemic, like you said, they made these theatrical releases have been pushed back. Black Widow was supposed to be out in the spring of this year, you know, Eternals, Eternals was supposed to be coming out next week, you Mm -hmm. know, um, and now as it stands, just looking at the release dates, Black Widow scheduled it, like I said, for May of 2021, Sh- uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, July of 2021, Eternals pushed back an entire year to November of 2021. Thor is not scheduled to come out till February of 2022. So and Black and, and, Panther is supposed to be that 2022 also, right? Yeah, I, I honestly, that's, I mean, obviously that's a whole nother show, but I, I really think whether we get another Black Panther to me is a question, you know, mm. whether that even happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in light of the passing of uh, our brother, uh, Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick. Mm-hmm. but I think that you, if we, the soonest we would get, that would be 2023 or maybe even 2024. Um, but yeah, Dr. Strange is now slated for March 25th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, but like you, like you said a few minutes ago, 2021 may, you know, if things don't improve may actually be all Disney plus. And yeah. that's again, like we've said a million times on this show, hard decisions are going to have to be made by, you know, Disney by uh, mm-hmm. the MCU, even by Lucasfilm. Um, but the role of these television shows to me, there's more weight on them now. You know, they have to carry more now. Um, WandaVision Falcon and the Winter Soldier not being released first. Cause I think they said they had to do reshoots and okay. I think I think they haven't said this, but I really believe that because the Black Widow was pushed back, like we said, you and I have talked about this before, that had an imp- impact on the storytelling that had an impact on the sequential storytelling. Mm-hmm. And now, since that hasn't dropped, there's something in Falcon and Winter Soldier that has to change to precede 
us seeing, you know, um, Black Widow. So I think that's that may have been one of the reasons for some of these reshoots. Um, but now that it's not coming out first on Disney Plus and WandaVision got pushed up in, in line in the queue, there's some, you know, it speaks to me of just, you know, the importance of these television shows now and the shifted focus, because this is all the Marvel content. We we may only get television shows from Marvel in 2021. We've only gotten television shows from Lucasfilm in 2020, you know, and right. probably 2021 as well. Right. Um so to answer, I guess to go back to your question about can Marvel emulate the success that Lucasfilm has had? I mean, let's look at that success. It's not just the Mandalorian. They brought back Clone Wars and that was hugely successful, critically. At true, least. Uh, true, true. Yes. Um, so can Marvel, I mean, I'll throw it back to you. Can Marvel do something like that? Basically, you know, looking at the Mandalorian, kind of exciting, the not only exciting the fan base, but really reinserting um, Star Wars back into the culture. It hadn't left the culture, but basically like leveling it up within the culture. You know, of course, I'm talking about Baby Yoda. Yes. Um, but can Marvel, which is, again, Marvel's a part of the culture as well. But can Marvel level up like that? I don't know. What do you think? Is it just is it just dependent upon the story that they're going to tell or can they can they do that? I think part of Lucasfilm's success is that they don't have to they don't have to support a film whereas marvel they announced an entire phase mm-hmm. that intermixed television and film and um i mean if i understand you correctly at least you know you do acknowledge that yeah the television shows you know can serve the films um and especially the the uh the post credit sequences that right. Marvel's made famous there's more to and you've talked about it you know there there it's like a train schedule and if one train doesn't leave on time none of the other trains will as well right. and it could very well be that the shift the burden of driving the phased storytelling is now on the shows themselves the the television shows themselves so i think marvel has a very different fundamental i think marvel has a fundamental problem that star wars doesn't have that lucasfilm doesn't have Mm -hmm. and also let me interject just time into this as well because the mandalorian specifically and clone wars and any of these marvel properties they can they can create a television show for the streaming service that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to impact anything. It can be slotted in a particular place, you know, five years after the Battle of Endor, for example. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we know what happens after that. We know what happens before that. Mm-hmm. But they can do things within that little time period and not have to worry about, oh, this is going to impact this. Or this is gonna be. No, we've already got these two things set. Whereas, right. kind of to your point, with the MCU... The past is, has been set, but the future is still up in question. You know what I'm saying? If like anything that happens after Endgame is up in the air, you know, as far as what, you know, it can have serious impact. Yeah. You can't just go willy nilly in some television show that happens after Endgame because it might impact all these other films you got out, you know, coming out right. over the next couple of years. So to your point, that slate that they have, you know, they've already established phase four going into phase five, you know, Blade, I think Blade is phase five. They've already announced some phase five things that they're putting in development. 
you have to be ultra careful what you're doing on WandaVision in 2021 because that may impact something that's going to happen and you, you're working on right now that's supposed to not debut until 2023. Um, so that is kind of, a, like you said, it's kind of a handicap. Even on the Star Wars side, I mean, we're getting dangerously close with these Mandalorian shows to hear the word Skywalker, which I pray we don't have to hear mm-hmm. in the Mandalorian. But we're getting, we are getting dangerously close. I remember when you and I were wondering whether or not we would hear Jedi. You know, and we Bam. heard it. Yep, we heard it in episode eight, I think. Where they waited all the way up until episode eight, I think, or, or you know, chapter chapter eight, I should say, um, of last season of the Mando. So yeah, they are getting a little. They're getting a little closer to the universe, or you know, the quote unquote universe that we're familiar with. You brought this up too, the idea that the Netflix Marvel characters, if they would be brought up to. Like, you know, like baseball, if they're going to be brought up from the minor leagues and actually be put in an MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll look two things before I say that, because it leads into where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. So um, I can never remember the name, but the name, the the name of the of the um, production studio where they shoot Mandalorian. Oh, the volume, the dome, the volume, yeah, the volume, the volume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fair to say that they could use the marvel could use the volume for the reshoots right you know what that is a question i actually was going to try to do a, a quick search before the show because i wanted to find out if anybody's asked lucasfilm are y'all lending this out you know what i'm saying to your to your to your disney compatriots or can kevin feige because kevin feige is producing a, a star wars film supposedly so you know they're yeah. all fam so but i thought it, it was disney's because they created the volume based on the lion king you know what? You're. I think. I think you may be right because again, in in Disney Gallery on Disney Plus, they showed how they came up with the volume. And so Dave, uh, what well, not Dave Filoni? Uh, John Favreau went deep on the fact of, hey, I learned all these things while I was doing, like you said, um, Jungle Book, and what's yeah. the other one? Lion King. Lion King. Um, mm-hmm. I learned all these uh, these things, and then it kind of led to this. You know, the volume. That's basically that's the synopsis, but. Is the was the final construction of the volume was that done by Disney Plus or was that was that on Lucasfilm's lot? You know, I mean, I know it's all Disney's lot, but I'm saying is right. that Lucasfilm say anyway? The bottom like line who's is dime, that, who, who's dime, who's dime, who's dime, whose budget supported it? Yeah, whose budget supported it? Yeah, you know, everybody, everybody's everybody's right. got different budgets. So, but it would be interesting to see. Okay, can Disney or can uh, uh, Marvel Studios come over there and use that? You know, can we do our reshoots on that? Maybe they already are. I don't know. Yeah, I think with John Favreau, the technology being on both really sides, quick. really being on all sides of this now. He's on the core Disney side, right? Oh, he's Disney. He's on I mean, the he's, Star he's, Core he's, Lucasfilm he's, side now. He's their guy, and he's been on the MCU side. Yeah, so that's, that's their guy, man. He's made them billions at this point. Um, but really quick though, again in the Disney gallery, they they mentioned that um, that technology for the volume yeah. is not like some proprietary technology. So you you know if you got enough money, you can create your own volume. So I would imagine mm-hmm. that if they're not using that one strictly, if they are using that one strictly for Lucasfilm stuff, which I don't know why they would. It's not like, you know, you can't just book a different day. You know, we'll be here Tuesday. Y'all be here on Wednesday, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. if they are doing that, you know, specifically for Lucasfilm, then Disney could just build another one, you know, for 
MCU shows, which Arthur, they may be doing right now, you know, cause it's yeah. like, they may be having the same conversation. Like, you know what? 2021 is going to be all on the streaming service. So we need to be able to film this, this stuff. Yeah. Uh, credit the NBA. They have definitely shown us that you can Incredible. create a sequestered environment <laughs> on <laughs> Disney's property <laughs> to keep, mm-hmm. An entire league of capitalism safe. must go on, Arthur. It must continue. That's 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 what they're saying. No matter what the hell's going on, if we got to create a bubble and keep the rest of y'all out, right? The NBA has stuff, the answer, right? And then we'll sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> capitalism has got to continue. So, but, me, um, you, but I'm saying, ask, like, you know, it could be, it could be that here is a here is a pathway to bring in Netflix MCU characters. Mm-hmm into um um into this into this equation to help um, out marvel's timeline i i, I think go ahead i mean go ahead. i think i think marvel has a, it's obvious marvel has a problem but i think and i think they definitely recognize that problem and i think that because this has gone on so long mm-hmm. um it's enough time enough fatigue if you will to come up with some creative solutions to give us a give us more room to be able to bring out the properties that we've already invested money in on production Mm -hmm. um you know and still keep the audience engaged in our storytelling Mm -hmm. Okay, let me let me ask you this though before we get into because the Netflix thing I think is a really interesting you know and that's close to my heart so that's really interesting but before we get to that let me ask you about the world building aspect of what because you 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 started off by saying okay can um, Marvel emulate the success of Star Wars on Disney Plus platform so looking at what Star Wars has done there you know specifically John Favreau but really Dave Filoni with um. With Clone Wars too. Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but specifically what what Favreau and Filoni are doing with Mandalorian, there's a lot of world building going on, you know, and it's it's very interesting because the world is already established, you know, what I'm saying it's like there is the Star Wars, you know, universe is already established. We already understand. Okay, here are the the parameters. Here's the stakes. A lot of it is Skywalker stuff, you know, admittedly. Yeah. Um, yeah. but here's, here's this universe of, in, of characters and worlds and galaxies or a galaxy. And it's already established, but what both of these things, both of these properties on Disney plus, and I know that there's other, uh, mm-hmm. star Wars content on Disney. I think they've done some shorts and some other things, but we're really focusing on the big ones. And those right now are the Mandalorian and, season seven of the clone wars um what they've done is they've expanded on that that already established universe but the world building happens with for example with chapter uh nine of the mandalorian you know everything that happened in there he went from the beginning of that episode he it was like on some batman you know like we talked about some batman punk rock type stuff you know Mm -hmm. um kind of like uh neo-futuristic type stuff to a western yeah to a lord of the Rings style slaying dragons he's essentially a dragon slayer you know what I'm saying the mandalorian is a dragon slayer you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, all these things happen within that one episode which is different you know which was kind of the same you know you got elements of that in other star wars but it felt like world building to me 
these new characters, this new tone. You know, there's yeah. a different tone to the Mandalorian than there is to some other Star Wars. Uh, chapter uh, or season seven of Clone Wars, uh, specifically the last episode. You know, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Um, again, spoilers throughout all this. If you haven't seen any of these things, we're about to get into spoilers. If in that last scene when Rex and Ahsoka buried all the clones, yeah, and the camera pans down and that music starts, man. We talked about it when we did the breakdown. Um, you guys can go back and listen to that to get the full breakdown that we did. But suffice to say, I think both you and I were just knocked out. And it was mm-hmm. it was different. It was like it was Star Wars, but it was different. You know, it felt more mature. It felt more it felt more modern, you know, and it felt like the yeah. world building had 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 gotten, you know, on television, on this streaming platform. They were world building. Mm-hmm. And can Marvel do that? Can Marvel is that is that Marvel's intent? You know, because the Marvel Cinematic Universe of these first 10 years or so of films that we got have established a certain tonality, a certain yeah. kind of the continuity, all these things. And the question is, is Marvel looking at the television, you know, the streaming Disney Plus and saying, OK, we need to ex- not only expand the storytelling, we want to experiment with different tones. We want to do different things and kind of like broaden the way that this thing is perceived because people perceive the MCU kind of as one thing now, especially mm-hmm. when they're contrasting it with the DC films. But I think based on the trailer for WandaVision that you and I just watched again, right before we started recording, I think the answer is yes. I think they're looking at the, the streaming services and saying, or their streaming shows, and it's not going to be mirror images. It's not going to be uh 45 minute versions of, you know, the films or 30 minute versions of the films. It's not going to mm-hmm. be that. Yeah. It's going to be something different than what you get, what you've gotten so far in the films. What, what do you think about all that? I think you are on to something. So something that we haven't gotten in the Star Wars films, mm-hmm. films, with the notable exception of Rogue One, was that same emotional heartstring pulling that we got in the final episode of clone wars mm-hmm. the mature tribe you know are very 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 mature we've got you don't you feel know, emotion yeah but not like that the 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 death of yoda in return of the jedi the death of anakin skywalker darth vader in return of the jedi. i mean look at it it's like you've got one film that had two death sequences of major characters mm-hmm. both experienced by the central character, Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And in neither case, do you walk away feeling sad? Right. Right. Especially because, you know, they're coming back. as Because he's not because he's not sad. <laughs> right. But in Rogue One, you feel you feel it when um, Jin and um, my man are sitting on the beach. Mm-hmm. Look, looking at their death coming toward them. You, right. you, you feel that loss. You feel it when Jen's father dies. You know, I felt that. That was like, you know, that was a serious moment when her father dies, when uh, Galen dies on the on the platform mm, um, halfway mm-hmm. through the film. Um, yeah, there's there's a maturity, I think, that's happened with Star Wars um, Rogue One. And I guess what you're saying is that was outside of Rogue One cinematically. You just haven't really seen that. You didn't you didn't have that in Han, Han Solo. You didn't have that in any of the any of the trilogies that followed. Mm. You don't get that in, at least I don't, in any of the Marvel films, with the notable exception of Black Panther. Mm. You f- you feel Black Panther. 
Yeah, because I'm thinking about when in Thor uh, Ragnarok, when Odin dies. Mm-hmm. Um, very, it was emotional, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't Black Panther. It wasn't that level of you know mature mature emotion that you got in Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. So and, I mean, in, in Black Panther, the music supported it also. So you're saying though, you feel like are you are you saying that the the streaming is that what you're seeing is you're anticipating that type of tonal shift with the uh, with the streaming television series? Is that what you're saying? You're agreeing with me? You think there's going to be a tonal shift? Yeah, I do. I do agree with you, but I I don't think that they're going to really turn the screws on the Marvel properties. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, they're not really turning the screws um, in the Mandalorian. It's a different mm-hmm. tone, but it's not. It's, uh, you know, my my reactions in the Mandalorian are kind of based on two things. One, how how characters are introduced like in uh uh chapter 11 you know now we've had the introduction of Bo-Katan and now we're anticipating the introduction of uh uh Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano Mm. um and how how some climactic scenes are 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 played out so the death of Quill and the the near death experience that Din Djarin has and that moment that he shares with IG eleven where IG eleven gets him to remove his helmet so oh, that, yeah, he that was hit him, yeah. hit him with the with with the back to spray. Yeah, that I mean that and the death of IG eleven, all that stuff was like really, really really uh, heavy um, emotional and more emotionally uh, heavy the death the death of that droid was more emotional than yoda's death yeah absolutely <laughs> i yes. believe that the tv shows are going to go there but they're still going to be you know a pg presentation to it it's it, you know it's still you can, I, I don't I know i think they I mean, still I, want you to walk away feeling good about it all Mm, oh yeah yeah the, and i think that's mm, I, I i agree with you but and, let me just devil's you, advocate for a second yeah the one thing what's one of the things obviously that hasn't been brought up in the mcu in any of the films other than black panther is race you know no they don't talk about yeah. race except for except for black panther so in the comics though and i've stated this before i'm, I'm not a captain america comic book reader i'm not familiar with too familiar with those story arcs over the many many decades um, but I, I have read other people talking about it, other articles about other people talking about it. And there is an element in the comic when at some point, maybe this took place in the, you know, seventies, eighties, whatever, you know, storyline this, this was when, uh, the Falcon took over the captain, you know, Captain America's mantle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was hate, you know, like you can't be Captain America cause you're black. I don't know which storyline again. I don't know who told this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know who wrote this one. I don't know what era it came from. Um, but I wonder, and we haven't seen enough, you know, clips or, you know, gotten enough information about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I wonder if they're going to even touch on that. And because you got to think about it, if you're going to do it from a Disney point of view, being as, um, you know, corporate as they are, not wanting to like you basically what you alluded to not wanting to rock the boat at all not to not wanting to touch race in any way shape or form except in the mm-hmm. black panther mm-hmm. um 
and even then it was done, you know, strategically, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was done like, strategically was, and it was done um, from a radicalized point of view coming from Killmonger. So Kill, Killmonger was, you know, the singular construct of race and rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, the following that he had built from the border tribe was kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah, we went a little too far. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it was it was sanitized. You know, it was like yeah, it yeah, started he, with Killmonger, it died with Killmonger. Right. And it was like he may have some points, but don't forget he's a murderer. He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He may mm-hmm. have some good points, but mm-hmm. don't forget the, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. they wrapped it in that. So but I maintain they, you know, if they're going to do this, if they were going to touch on it from a corporate standpoint, I believe that they would probably let, let's put this in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. see how see how it fares. Um, mm-hmm. Before we even bring it towards one of these one billion dollar, you know, grossing films. So I, I, overall, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just trying to devil's advocate a bit and say, you know what, especially based on what we've seen from WandaVision, this WandaVision, you know, the trailer, if you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. Trailer is, you know, in the in in the um, the synopsis of it is kind of like, OK, what the hell is going on? This looks like a very different and bizarre it's basically exactly what you not would not expect for marvel to do parts of it i guess pre-pandemic or even after pandemic if they were careful parts of it were filmed in front of a live studio audience and yes i know i sounded just like an old sitcom when i said that but Mm. (laughs) parts of this just like this podcast arthur parts of that show were filmed before a live studio audience Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they you know that's something that why you know why and it's like okay you're looking at the clips of you know wanda and vision and kind of like this um sitcom suburban style setting you like what the hell is going on is this all yeah. taking place in wanda's head we'll find out but again I, I, I to my point they are it looks like they're going to push the envelope it looks like kevin feige and his crew mm-hmm. are not going to be complacent again with like i said with just taking the films making them into like 35 minute television shows and putting it out there as filler. Um, So all that to your point, can they emulate the, you know, success of star Wars? I think they can, it'll be different. Like you've outlined and and illuminated, it'll be very different. It serves a different purpose. Um, But if done correctly, I think they can. And and, and let me ask you this before, uh, before we move on, do you think, because the Mandalorian, one thing it's done is also is one thing it's also done is created new fans. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people, not a lot of mm-hmm, people, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a good amount of people who watch the Mandalorian are not Star Wars heads, and they didn't go see some of the last you know couple films that maybe came out. Yes, um, but they like the Mandalorian. Yes, I wonder if the Marvel can do that. You know, because Marvel, there's always that hint. You know, there's always those rumors of superhero fatigue, and people are getting tired of. Every summer, the you know theaters being dominated by superhero films, so I'm sure that there's a lot of people who just ain't checking for this. But if it if Wanda and WandaVision becomes this thing, you know, similar to the way that Baby Yoda became a thing last year, um, I think there may be a chance, man, that they can bring in some new fans and maybe you know excite some casual fans and bring them to a new level. Um, so let me let me ask you this: while you're on that, going mm-hmm. back to what we were talking about earlier. Is it? Are, are we going to see Daredevil? Man, this like I said, s- this this is this is this is this is a sensitive topic for me, Arthur. Because um, <laughs> you know, I had issues, man. I, I, it was a hard time for me when uh, Daredevil got canceled. Um, 
back. What was that? Has it been two years now? I think almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, all those, all those Disney, or excuse me, all those Netflix shows. It was like, it was like that scene in The Godfather where Michael just took out all the heads of the five families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At the mm-hmm. end, and it was like over the course of months, like just Netflix Marvel shows just got murked. You know, it was like yeah. one after the other to, con- um, yeah, to consolidate power, to right. consolidate power. Right. Do you, do you believe, you know, some, I don't know <laughs> the purge, asking, uh-huh. <laughs> the purge. <laughs> asking, they were asking <laughs> Disney, like, you know, do you believe in the son, the father and the Holy Ghost? I do. And then, you mm-hmm. know, Jessica Jones was killed. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. it was crazy. So do I think that, you know, any of these characters can show up? I'm trying to separate I'm trying I'm trying to separate my you know the subjective from the objective because subjectively please God let Daredevil show up in one of these damn Disney mm-hmm. Plus shows mm-hmm. please mm-hmm. let that happen and when I say Daredevil I mean Charlie Cox I mean get dude he yeah. was the per- perfect Matt Murdock yeah. um season 1 of Daredevil Netflix Daredevil one of my favorite things of all time um season 1 of Jessica Jones not mm-hmm. season 2 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Reed not season 2 Season one of Jessica Jones, one of my favorite things of all time. Um, if either one of them were to show up, or I should say, can either one of them show up? Narratively, yes, I think it makes sense. Um, I could see Daredevil maybe showing up in maybe in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, but maybe also um, in She-Hulk um, or Hawkeye. Uh, mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. see, you know, maybe Jessica Jones could show up and she could show up in any number of things. Um, anything that's New York centric, um, either one of those characters could show up. So, yeah, subjectively, I can definitely see it. Definitely want it to happen. Objectively, do I think it's going to happen? I have to say the answer is going to be no. Um, only because, I don't know, man, it's hard. I was just about to say only because those actors and act those actors have moved on to other things. They're focused on other projects, blah, blah, blah. Right. But they're not because ain't nobody shooting nothing. <laughs> nothing is happening uh-huh. right now. Hollywood. <laughs> nothing is happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> nothing is happening. So they're not doing nothing. They're sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. So if they said, yo, let's meet us at the volume. We got this enclosed bubble that we can record in, you know, shoot yeah. in. And we want to get you to cameo and revive, you know, bring back daredevil. Um, for episode six of Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah, that I, I, that's there's a possibility. Maybe it's just me being, you know, wishful, but, but there's a possibility. What do you think? Do you think it's Do you think it's even possible? Um, let me be very specific. I I see Daredevil and only Daredevil showing up in a movie. Mm. I see Charlie mm. Cox showing up in a film. Um, mm-hmm. Really, Doctor Strange. Mm, I could see I could that. see him showing I could see Daredevil showing up in 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 the next Doctor Strange film and um maybe making reference to you know to the incident or you know something but mm. um I don't see it in a in a television series um only because when you bring in a character like uh Matt Murdock you 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 kind of have to invest in him a little bit because he has right. his own following and right. um it may compete his ass. with mhm mhm i may compete with the uh, you know the, the the actual stars of those shows mm-hmm. and think about it wandavision to 
two B characters. Mm-hmm. Same with Falcon and Winter Soldier. They're two B characters. And then now you're going to bring in Matt Murdock, who on his own is an A character. He may be yeah. a B character in the grander scheme of things, but on the small screen, he carries a lot of weight. Right. I don't think yeah, they would do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do think, you know, if Black Widow was a modern, you know, story, the, the Black Widow movie is is a prequel, basically. Um, I think it takes place after Captain America Winter or Civil War mm-hmm. and before Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that, if it, and it, it, you know, he could still pop up, but I, I think that if Black Widow was taking place post Endgame, you know, and moving moving the whole MCU narrative forward, I could see Daredevil showing up there because he is a you know uh-huh. her, he and Black Widow have a relationship in the comics, mm-hmm. um, and they've you know I don't even know if she may have even did she debut in Daredevil I don't know, but yeah, there's a strong connection between them in the comics, so I, I could see that happening, um, but I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just wishful at this point. You know, I just want <laughs> I just want Charlie Cox uh-huh. back as Daredevil. <laughs> I wish, but I want you know I want um, Jessica Jones back. You know, and I think. Um, uh, Kristen, uh, uh, Kurt, what was guy? What's her name? It's been so long. Our name has slipped my mind. But the actor, the actor who played Jessica Jones, um, was perfect as well. And I think that um, Kristen Ritter, I think, and I think, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I, I mean, I want these characters back. And yes, I know everybody's probably screaming at us right now, saying, "Why? Why aren't y'all mentioning the brother? Why aren't y'all mentioning Luke Cage? Luke Cage? I would want. You know what? I would want Luke Luke Cage back. And I think Mike Holder is perfect in that role. Mm-hmm. I would want him back with completely different writers and direct. I just, I don't think either one of those seasons um, did him justice. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, slighting um, anybody involved with those productions. I'm just saying, cause there were moments in there that I really liked, but I'm saying overall, and I think we've done reviews on it. I think either here or on our sister show snobs on film but overall, I don't think either one of those seasons served that character as well as it could. Yeah. Um, and the same, and God knows the same goes for, uh, you know, Iron Fist. So, um, yeah. So I, I would want any, to see any of them back, but specifically Daredevil mm-hmm. and Jessica Jones. Yeah, this is, I feel bad saying it, but I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Luke Cage in Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, so we're going to have one show, we're going to pack in all the black Right. Into it. <laughs> Let's get but I think well. I think that I think that if <laughs> I think that if the if the um um if the narrative turned toward race to deal with race, mm. it would be interesting for Luke Cage to mm. be with um Sam. Mm. Um I don't know, in some kind of you know, some kind of dynamic, well, you know, Luke, one thing that, let me just say this one thing it's, 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 it really is a tangent. So I, I just need to say it. Cause it, it kind of, it's the reason why I kind of have an attitude when I talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sam is the new captain America. Um, but Winter Soldier, Bucky is, it's, it's almost like Bucky's the real victim not say so so let's say let's say the let's say the storytelling turned toward a backlash against a black captain america okay there's still the sympathy aspect to bucky in that he was brainwashed you know 
he he really wasn't himself when he killed he all those people right. <laughs> you know right um he was the still, soldier, yeah. you know he's steve rogers boy so when you see bucky you lament over you know this you know bootleg captain america who <laughs> really was you know what i mean and it it's it, it kind of there's there's always this this um this temperament mm. almost like a temperament fail switch or kill switch mm. <laughs> to be so able to shift back the, to the white character oh okay so you're saying the, the spotlight is always going to be on him yeah or, or can be on him if mm. if the if the viewing public starts to be, get turned off by you know you know this this mislabeled black lives matter overtone in the storytelling of falcon and winter soldier yeah i i could i could see that i think though if marvel goes in that territory um much like i mean you brought up luke cage that is the other honorable mention as far as race is concerned because he did snap off on iron fist you know for him and that that young brother remember that yeah yeah you don't know what that brother's been through he's like you don't know his story you know you just some rich white boy you know, uh, playing superhero or whatever. So mm-hmm. just shout out to that moment. Cause we need that pride that needs to be mentioned. But to your point is y- I can see that what you're saying, I describe what you just described happening. I can see that going that route, but I think mm-hmm. that Marvel is smart enough to know based on their experience with black Panther. If we're going to go in that zone of exploring race through the Falcons experience, we're going after this audience. You know what I'm saying? We know right. that some, we know that there's going to be certain parts of our audience, uh, the, uh, specifically the white audience, who's going to get turned off by this. Uh, right. Cer- certain parts of that audience. But we're also, we're going to make up for that because we're going to go up in the rankings with our black fans or our fans who, people who are black moviegoers who weren't even fans before, mm-hmm. um, but now are going to check this out based on word of mouth. That's what happened with Black Panther. You and I sat in a theater at Infinity War surrounded by people. Um, specifically older black people, you know, who weren't into Marvel films at all until Black Panther came out. Mm-hmm. Now they're sitting up in Infinity War, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. Black yeah. Panther was in that movie. And yeah. you remember when he got killed or he, you know, momentarily was killed in Infinity War. You remember, I don't know if, I don't know if you remember, there's an older, older um, black woman, maybe a couple chairs down. And she was like, well, I think she said something to the effect of, well, what's going to happen now? You know she, <laughs> I didn't hear that. She, she I was didn't just hear there. That. <laughs> she was just there for Black Panther, you know. And now mm-hmm. he just turned to dust. So now I got is these white people flying around. I'm not here for this, you know. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that I think that you know, yeah. If Marvel goes into that the you know um, that area with the Falcon and starts exploring that, it's probably they're they're like, listen, we're going after this fan base. But just to be fair to end this, to just to wrap this up, to be, you know, real realistic, you know, even if they go on that route, it's definitely going to be on some. We all got to get along shit. You mm-hmm. know, it's definitely mm-hmm. going to be on that. Mm-hmm. You know, Marvel mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. going, especially mm-hmm. if if uh, uh, Ryan Coogler is not pinning, you know, behind the pin on this. They definitely probably gonna go on some whole, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, Falcon is going to represent all of America and he's going to unite everybody. and We're all going to get along. Mm-hmm. And yes, even you people who are throwing rocks at his head, he loves you, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be on something like that mm-hmm. um, because just would, just just ahead, what you talked ahead. about the line the great lines between luke cage and iron fist when when luke was scolding him mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You would not have gotten that dialogue on a Disney Plus show. Right. <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's Netflix only, baby. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's an interesting point. Are they going to go? And we know there's not going to be profanity. We know there's not going to be sex. Um, mm-hmm. but how, how far, how far are they going to go on Disney Plus? That's a whole another, that's another show. Let's, let's shelve that one. Let's put that on the shelf. We're going to do right. that one. All right. Do that one next. Okay. I, so... You know what? I, I got the perfect segue. I have spoken. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> perfect segue into chapters uh, 10 and 11 of The Mandalorian. Yeah, quick thoughts. Quick thoughts. What we, what we, do you have any thoughts on these episodes? We're gonna do mad. We're gonna do full recaps and conversations about all this stuff later. But just on these two episodes, did you have any thoughts? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that I, I am encouraged by the pacing of the shows and how they've been uh, picking up. And I wasn't, uh, to be kind of binary about it, I wasn't uh, a fan of. Um, Chapter nine, the season premiere of uh, The Mandalorian. But, but, but I did feel that because of the continuation in chapters, that it was going to set up what we were what we were about to see. And and I and I do see that it going that way. Um, mm-hmm. What I really liked, there are a few things that I really liked. Um, I liked that in chapter 10, the passenger. I liked that the X-Wings were, they were police and they were, yeah, and they were presented in the view of, you know, it's a new republic and, you know, we're cracking down, we're going to run your plates. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm thinking... I want somebody to do like a, a meme or whatever uh, on YouTube with like F the police coming on. Like they pull them over like, man, it'll just kiss a button. All of a sudden you hear NWA F the police come on. I want somebody to do that. That meme. Yeah. That, I mean, that's it's how I was feeling when I was watching it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about how, how, how Mando, you know, he's basically a walking jewelry store with this Beskar. <laughs> right. It's like, fam, everybody wants this Beskar. Can you put a cape on or something? Right. Right. So, so, I mean, I'm imagining the X-Fire, they're looking over there, you know, they, you know, they seeing Mando blinged out. Right. Glistening. Glistening. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, don't really have the right paperwork. Ain't really saying the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know? then the, the little s coils yeah you know, i love it when I love it when the wings expand because it's like we got now we got a problem you know right. and then we and problems. then we got a runner <laughs> we got a runner that whole moment the whole scene that was probably my favorite scene in that that episode because it was perfect to how cops actually behave you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it was like the false polite you know tone mm-hmm. the um you know, seemingly innocuous questions that aren't, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, okay, well, let's have, you know, they they basically pulled him over, had this conversation, walked back to their car, you know, because uh-huh. for a moment they switched the, they switched channels. So it was basically yeah. like they walked back to their car, had a conversation between them two, yeah. and then came out with their guns, with their guns drawn, yeah. you know. Um, and it was, they just, they, they, as soon as it started to happen, I knew what was happening I was instantly annoyed in the same way that I get annoyed 
you know, like if a cop is too close to you, like you're driving and they pull up too close to you, and you're like, okay, this motherfucker about to put his lights on or what's, what's about mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. And you get instantly annoyed with these people. And then mm-hmm. again, the false politeness when they're talking to you, they, John Favreau, uh, who directed that episode? Um, Peyton Reed, Peyton Reed directed that episode. Uh, same, same guy who directed Ant-Man, um, the Ant-Man films. Um, they nailed it. You know, they nailed it. The feeling that you have, when you are stopped by the police. Um, so I'm sorry, I interrupted though, because I, 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 I agree with you. I love that scene too. I also liked seeing the uh, the spiders, uh, the Krickna spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, there was kind of a, a, uh, a nod to Alien and how Baby Yoda was uh, walking through the egg fields. Right. And um, those spiders, I believe those are the same spiders that... Um, Ezra and Kanan encountered. I thought they were too. They're not, because that's that was my really thought. I was like, those are the same uh, that was in Rebels. You know, the same the same spiders in Rebels. They're not. They are originally from a uh, Ralph McQuarrie 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 sketch. Um, Mm -hmm. Ralph McQuarrie, you know, the original um, production designer artist for the Star Wars films, um, legendary. But yeah, they 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 are originally designed by him, and I don't. I think they've only appeared in like a a video game up until this point. Um, so that's, and that's, that's something I think that the Mandalorian is doing very well. They are like, kind of like scrounging through the, you know, the $5 discount bin or the two or the, or the uh, dollar discount bin at the front of the store. They're mm-hmm. scrounging through mm-hmm. there like finding all these jewels and like, okay, nobody has used this, you know, so let's use it. Let's put it in our show. Um, and for, you know, the cats on YouTube who break through those breakdowns and are deep into these things, they recognize it and like, yo, that's from the video game from like 1980, whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it's now it's canon again. You know, it was legends and now it's canon again. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was cool, though. That was cool. I got the alien reference, though, right away. Um, but let me jump to uh, chapter 11. Um, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's the that, that's it. That's the that's, reaction. That's the that's the tweet. Bo Yeah, that's the reaction. Right. Um but but let me say this too. I do I do like the introduction to identity hmm. in in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um we know that Mando had a real problem um when uh um Cobb Vanth had <laughs> Boba's armor mm-hmm. on. It's like, well, and he, and he had the same kind of reaction. Right. People, In fact, the child, when Bo up. took her helmet off, Bo, the child looked up at Mando like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. The child looking like, like, oh, shit. Like, what you, like, this is the second time this has happened. Like, people keep taking off. Exactly. Can you take off your helmet? What? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Right. It's just yeah. like, what's, what's going on? Like. What's going on? the rules around here. Yeah. That, that was a great moment. That was a great moment. And um, the nod to Din Djarin being adopted by uh, Children of the Watch. A cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Death and not a, we don't know yet if this is Death Watch. I think Watch. it is Death Watch. Yeah, I think, it is. I, think it's been, I think it's been confirmed. It's Death Watch, man. Um, which, you know, Bo-Katan was a member of or a supporter of for a minute. So, yeah, all these things kind of came, and, and that was a 35-minute episode, chapter 11. Yeah, they're getting shorter. Yeah, so that was a 35, and it happened, you know, all that stuff happened in that one episode. Um, mm-hmm. Different than you, I, you know, I really, really like chapter 9. Um, so going into chapter 10, 
I didn't expect to get that scale. Um, and I think chapter 10 was like 40 minutes or whatever, but I did like, uh, you know, chapter 10, we're still, I think chapter 10 was really about parenthood, you know, because you see, you know, the relationship, what that, what that frog lady, that's actually her name, frog lady was willing to do, mm-hmm. you know, to get her eggs, um, to her husband. Um, mm-hmm. when she, you know, she books passage on, on the razor crest, um, shit goes horribly wrong. They get stranded on that, that, that planet, um, which I don't think we ever found out the name of that planet, but anyway, they get stranded on that planet and Mando is like, yo, we are going to be lucky to get out of here with our lives. I will, you know, I don't know the damage that's been done to the ship. Um, we need Mm -hmm. to rest and then we'll repair the ship and try to get out of here, you know? Um, and she, you know, rigs up zero that droid, um, that we saw in season one, she rigs up. And the thing I liked about that is that it showed, okay, just cause this woman is a frog and she don't speak basic, you know, she's mm-hmm. not stupid. You know, she bypassed the, mm-hmm. you know, security protocols and all this stuff. And she, she rigs mm-hmm. up zero so she to can communicate with him. Get my message to you. So that, cause you re- clearly don't understand. You clearly what's going don't on. understand. And that was the whole parenthood part of it. She was like, look, this shit can't wait till tomorrow. You need to get mm-hmm. up, you know what I'm saying? Fix this <laughs> ship <laughs> so I can get these eggs. Me and my husband right. can do what we do when we alone together and fertilize these eggs. And she right. said it to him in a way that was like so direct. And he was like, lady, you know, you don't understand. He's, she's like, no. And she pulled the whole thing on him. And he's, Mando's got to get tired. He has to be tired of this at this point when people keep doing this to him. But she did it to him. I thought it was part of the Mandalorian creed. You supposed to be a Mandalorian. I thought it was your creed right. to do blah, 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 to keep your word. She pulled the quill right. on him. Quill did that in episode one. You know, you're supposed to be a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You're going to quit after you can't ride this this little horse thing. You know, you need to, you need to be mm-hmm. able to do this. So she did that. And I really liked that moment because it was like, yeah, you're, you know, this is what I'm willing to do. You know, I don't care what's going on. I don't care how, you know, dire the situation is. We have to try because I have to, you know, get these eggs to my husband or else I'm the, we're going to be the last of our line. I thought that was very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like chapter 10. Um, it wasn't some of the pacing was a little off for me in chapter 10. Um, mm, mm-hmm. but overall I dug it, you know, I saw online that a lot of people were like, you know, it was kind of like a horror movie with the spiders. I, you know, you know, my stance on horror movies. So I didn't get that vibe at all. I just thought it was a, you know, a creature movie almost like them old, you know, um, movies used to see on, you know, the superstation on Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the creatures coming out everywhere. And it was, it was a little creepy when they crawled up into the razor crest and, you know, he, they just, cause I thought when they got to the razor crest, it'd be all good. And then they just, they started infesting the razor crest basically. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really well, well done. And then chapter 11, man, that, wow. Again, so much happened in, a, you know, 35 minutes. Um, that was Bryce Dallas Howard's, you know, second episode. And I think both you and she, I, man, yeah, I think she came Yeah, up. I think both you and I were like, okay, this is much better than what she did in the first season. Um, mm-hmm. everything from the way it was shot to, you know, as far as some of the, some of the camera angles, like those stormtroopers running down the hallway, you know, and the way that she positioned yeah. it, it was like stormtroopers look cool for a minute. You know, stormtroopers don't always look cool. They look, you know, especially when they start talking, it's like, these are some really goofy cats. But they looked really cool coming down that hallway. Um, the flight, you know, every time the, the re-entry when the Razor Crest was re-entering the atmosphere, man, that looked like something out of like of um, you know uh, Apollo thirteen or you know space shuttle coming back mm-hmm. into the, the atmosphere. Um, I thought that was really dope. 
What were you about to say? You know, it reminded me of the initial the initial shot of the razor crest just dropping. Mm. And you're looking at it from the point of view of being above the razor crest. Mm. Reminded me of the uh the jump that happened in the the first Star Trek film, the remake with JJ Abrams when Kurt oh, Sulu yeah, and yeah, Homeboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Did that did that jump. Mm. Um, Which is impressive, you know, because you're talking about a television show, essentially, compared to these, yeah, you know, multi hundred yeah. million dollar, two hundred million yeah. dollar films. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta give Bryce credit, man. I was worn out after chapter yeah, eleven. A lot happened in that episode. Yeah, it was a lot of action. I mean, I, I think that out. the handling of you know the appearance of Bo-Katan um, was handled very well, and yeah, the identity and the sense that we got questions answered in that in that episode in a very natural way. We've wondered why mm-hmm. since episode one of season one, why can't he take off his helmet? Why does that? Why do Mandalorians on this show not take off their helmets? And then now, because we, now we know up to that point, we'd seen them. We'd seen everybody. Everybody taking off their helmets. Yeah. If we were sticking with the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, we'd seen everybody's face. Right. So I, I thought they the way they answered questions was done very well. Um, the mention of Ahsoka, you know, I thought that was, I thought that was, mm-hmm. cause it's, it, they could have played it real coy and been like, yeah, you know, uh, I'll tell you where a Jedi is. And, you know, but you know, then she, you know, wouldn't mention her name. We'd be like, okay, she's talking about Ahsoka, but they just flat yeah. out said it, which I appreciate because like the rumors have been going around for so long that, and it's almost, I don't know if it's ever officially confirmed that Rosaria Dawson was playing, you know, was on the show, but Everybody knows it. So for them to go mm-hmm. ahead and say it, mm-hmm. I think that was that was the right move. Now, let me ask you this really quickly. Do you think that Ahsoka is going to be in Chapter 12 or are we going to have to wait a while to see her? No, I think I think they're moving right along. I think she's going to be in Chapter 12. I would agree with you, except for one thing. Dave Filoni is writing Chapter 13, I believe. 13. Yeah, 13. Mm-hmm. So. I don't see Ahsoka Tano debuting on this show in li- live action for the first time without the cat that created her writing the episode. You know what I'm saying? I, I that just that would feel okay, that's interesting. That would be odd to me. Like why introduce her in one episode that you know, and then the next episode, the, you know, Dave Filoni is writing. Why not just? So I think this, you know, this coming episode, you know, uh, coming Friday, we're going to get another mission or something is going to happen that you know delays mm-hmm. him getting to that planet where ahsoka is um do you think that we will because um gideon moff gideon made his made his debut appearance this season mm-hmm. over a calm link mm-hmm. um do you think that, that we're gonna see gideon possibly prominently see that. in the next chapter I then as a bridge i hadn't thought about that but now that you said it, i think that would be that would be great because it basically it would continue the overall narrative of the show without being a quote unquote side mission, which a lot of people have issues with when they do on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be, that would be dope that he would intercept, you know, Mando on his way to see to that planet. Um, by the way, quick, quick, really quickly, Gideon says in this episode, he says, or maybe his, uh, his, his underling said, yeah, we need to rendezvous with the fleet. And I'm like the fleet. <laughs> like hold on yeah i thought maybe gideon yeah. and some of the remnants of the empire they had you know a couple ships or whatever they got a fleet that was the captain of the that was the captain of the freighter that said that they got a fleet arthur so i'm like what is the new yeah. republic doing why what 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 y'all y'all when you listen just like again back to the michael corleone reference 
when you stomp somebody out, you got to stomp them out. <laughs> it's like you can't be playing. You got rid of the Empire. You defeated them on Endor. You kicked them out of Coruscant. Now you got to weed them out. You can't just be p- patrolling the outer rim with Trapper John and, you know, his sidekick or whatever mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with two X-Wings mm-hmm. talking about we're looking for Imperial holdouts. You need to send a fleet out there and stomp out Gideon. Um, this I don't I, I really don't think that Filoni is going to get into the or Filoni. Favreau is going to get into the rise of the First Order. He may give a hint to that. I just can't see because I my sense is that he's not really into that. You know the sequel trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. But from a from a fan standpoint, you can absolutely see how shit is going to get started again because the New Republic is not yeah. handling business. You know, it's like what do y'all y'all just concerned about the core? You need to get out here and stomp out Gideon and anybody else that's still holding on to these ideals um, that the Empire had, you know, or else there's going to be a resurgence. And of course, that's what happened. I think from the Empire's perspective, or at least definitely from Gideon's perspective, the the rebels got lucky. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. And now they've bitten off more than they can chew. And so while they're scattered about trying to police, because at this point they're, they're police yeah. now. Kara Dune mentioned that. Yeah. You don't get in that. I mean, to me, you don't get into an X-Wing, maybe a Y-Wing, but you're not getting into an X-Wing fighter and, you know, looking for Imperial holdouts. <laughs> you send the X-Wings when you found the Imperial <laughs> <Right>. holdouts. <laughs> and you send a lot of them. Let's go. And you send what a lot. Doing? Right. And you send a whole squad. <laughs> right. This is why Kara Dune left, because it's like, yo, y'all, you, y'all not real anymore. You know, what are we doing out here? So anyway, I, overall, chapter 10, chapter 11, um, I was very pleased. And I'm, I'm really liking the direction that the show is going in this season. I'm liking that mm-hmm. they're bringing in. I hope that they I'm liking that they're bringing in new characters. Um, I don't want to see Mando get overshadowed. You know what I'm saying? I believe. I, and I think that what happened in chapter 11 specifically, Bo-Katan for Star Wars fans, that's a big character, you know, to bring in. Yeah. For yeah. fans who don't, people who don't watch Clone Wars or anything, they didn't know who that chick was. You know, it was just like, yo, okay, mm-hmm. she's a she's a Mandalorian who's, you know, has some status, but it didn't overshadow Din Djarin, You know, and Din Djarin's story was enriched in this episode because mm-hmm. we found out, oh, this cat was adopted by a cult, um, and he believes in that. You know, that's all. That's what he's built his life upon. What if that yeah. starts to get stripped away? You know, what if that? But it's also about perspective, right? I mean, it's perspective because Bo-Katan, we know, and you said, you know, supported Death Watch for a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and Death Watch had aligned themselves with the Empire. And that's, yeah, when, when uh, what's his face, Maul started tripping, that's when uh, Bo-Katan was out, you know, it's like the same with this. Yeah. So, I mean, her perspective is that they're, that they're religious zealots. Mm-hmm. Right. But from the Mandalorians, from Din Djarin's perspective. They're true Mandalore. Right, I'm more Mandalorian than you right. are. That and that sets up real. That sets up some really interesting tension, not just between characters, but internally for him. And so, so I'm like, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that his story is still paramount. Because the other side of that is the armorer. Ooh. The armorer in season one. Man, what's going to happen? Right, when, what's what's going to happen when he rolls up on her again? Because like, hold on, you you told me all this right. shit. You know what I'm saying? Right, you right. Told me, but I'm saying though, I've had this helmet I'm on saying, for twenty years. Yeah, I'm saying you know from her perspective, the Jedi, you know, are wizards than the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. She's but she's yeah. I mean, we'll get into it on another show. But her, 
the, even the way that she talks, the way that she portrays everything, is it armor or bow? armor is in a very uh-huh. different way than we've seen any of the Mandalorians, including Bo, present things. Armor talks like, again, you know, eons past and, you know, all these kind of like archaic references and just all this stuff, you know, it's like, it's almost like she read this shit in a book, you know, like she didn't experience Mm. it herself, (laughs) you know, and that's what I'm wondering, is Mando just going to roll when he finds her again? It's like, you, we need to talk. I need you. It's almost like when, when Bruce found Ra's al Ghul, you know what I'm saying? When, when, uh, uh, uh he's like, you uh you taught me this, you know, but really this is what it's about. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not this, you, you told me this is what you were and you mis, you know, you misrepresented yourself. And so Mando is going to have some real kind of like internal struggles and crisis Mm -hmm. of consciousness over the next, you know, this season and next season and probably the season after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think they're setting that up very, very nicely. Um, being very patient with it. You know, so I'm 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 good, man. I can't I can't wait to see what happens for the rest of the season. Yeah. All right. Um so one weird thing, I has I still haven't seen the score. Yeah, I think um because I, I like the music in this episode. It was, it was it was the music has been I really like the music in this episode. Yeah, the music has been continues to be very, very impressive and it just it's phenomenal. I think I saw one because I, you know, I've been on Spotify like every week trying to figure out, okay, is it, are they releasing? They're just not saying nothing. What's going on? Yeah. Um, when I yeah. Googled it, I did find one thing that said it's going to be released in mid-November, but then it was like the soundtrack. So I don't know if that meant, are they doing everything at once? So I don't know. Um, very confusing, mm. but I'm hoping that they're going to do release them you know, per episode like they did last season because I'm with you. I'm really enjoying it. So I'm, I'm looking out for it. All right. Well, I'm going to quest you with uh, calling some people. Find out about that. Let's <laughs> I've been quested. On that. You know what? I, yeah. I've been waiting all my life to be quested. Thank you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's a wrap. Matt Unreal, episode 29. We want to hear your thoughts um, on both uh, WandaVision coming out in January and the last two chapters of uh, The Mandalorian. Uh, reach out on Twitter. Hashtag Mad Unreal. Uh, my name is Arthur. I can be found at, well, can be found in my house. <laughs> like everybody else. Point. Like, like everybody find else. Me at the crib. But find me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, no place A-R-R-T-H-U-R-R. Uh, Isaac? Uh, you can find me at Isaac Perry, I-S-A-A-C-P-E-R-R-Y. Um, this episode drops this week. Uh, we're recording this on the 15th. This will drop this week. So, yeah, hashtag Mad Unreal. Let us know your thoughts on both the Marvel situation um, and Disney Plus, Marvel on Disney Plus situation, um, and the Mandalorian. And also look out on the 25th of this month, um, right before the holiday break, uh, we will be dropping the final episode of 007 and Counting. Um, kind of like a bittersweet moment because we're going to drop it on the day that No Time to Die was scheduled to come out in the theaters in the U.S., um, which, by the way, is still on my calendar because I haven't had the heart to delete it. Um, but yeah, so we're going to drop 007 and Counting, the Spectre episode um, on the 25th of November. So you should definitely watch Spectre if you haven't seen it in a while. Check it out, watch it and then join us um, for a you know mad Unreal style like deep dive on that film on the 25th of November. All right, everybody, stay safe. See you next show. Peace. Keep it unreal. Thank <laughs> you.